Hello and welcome back to Fantasy Hockey Picks and Bets. I am your host, DJ Mitchell, here to go over Friday's four-game NHL slate. We're in the final stretch of the NHL season. I, you know, it's it's we're in the Dallas Stars jersey today as they are making their playoff push. I think they probably should get the last spot, but we'll know probably by the time you're listening to this as uh, they play on Thursday night. If they get that win, they might have it pretty much locked up. If not, Vegas could try to squeak their way back in, but we'll keep the Western Conference on our mind as that's all that's left because the Eastern Conference is all done. We know every team in the playoffs in the East, and we've known that for two weeks before the season ended, um, which is pretty crazy. It really is. Like, I know it doesn't sound that crazy because normally you can kind of tell which team are going to make it, but to be statistically out of it two weeks before every single team in one conference kind of is absurd uh, just because of the uh, chance a team could lose every game and win every uh, the, the, the amount the NHL uh, allows teams to stay in it with the loser point. It's pretty special um, to think of how bad every other team was. So with that all being said, we still have four games tonight that there's money to be made. We have mainly uh, games that are completely useless as far as the playoffs are concerned in any capacity. Um, really not even that many playoff teams. Well, I guess there's about half. Um, but the first game has absolutely no playoff implication whatsoever. And it's the Ottawa Senators out of Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, I mean, this is a game that just on paper, I like as an overbet, just fine. If not, you know, okay, a good bit, maybe even, um, you know, neither of these teams play very good defensively. It is a little bit on if Wierenski's back and we just don't know at this point, he didn't play the past two. Well, he played in two games ago and got hurt in the first or second shift did not play in the game against San Jose. They came home. He wasn't at practice. Neither was line a, um, that did move Ken Johnson up to the first line with Roslovich and Bob. Bjorkstrand, um, he was not on the first parlay, but I think we need to keep on all this. The season's almost over. Who knows um, what we're going to get exactly on the first unit. Um, with Wierenski out, also Adam Boakvist moved up to that first unit, and he scored, and he got called back uh, against San Jose. Tough break there because, you know, it's pretty close, but they, I believe it was goalie interference they called it back on. But irregardless, or actually, why do we do that? Regardless, um, I don't like this Columbus team a lot at minus 120. I know it's at home, but I do think it was the better team here. Ottawa just played a really impressive shootout win uh, at Vancouver, who was really clinging to life in the playoffs. I, I know it's very unlikely they make it, but they were kind of right there, like needed this extra point to give them a little bit of an edge, and they didn't get it against Ottawa. I, I kind of been banging the drum on this team. I bet them against Vancouver, as I said I was going to, and they got the win. You know, is that going to happen all the time? No, but I still like them here at plus 100. Good bit. They're just a the better team. They have a better forward depth uh, in general that I just think they'll find more goals. Both of these teams also do something that's, uh, at least to my liking, um, you know, Columbus had three players that got about six minutes of five-on-five five ice time. And Ottawa had three players like about four and nine uh, minutes that that last line that uh, bottom them. So when the games were close and they're trying to you know mount comebacks either or, they just buried their fourth line and gave the top six all of the run they could possibly handle. So you know I do think that's pretty for DFS in a game I like the over six in. I, I think I like it maybe for the mo- most goals of the entire slate. Uh, it's really a coin flip. Um, Colorado Edmonton, I think on paper is going to project better, but I think goaltending here is a good bit worse. Um, so I, I think it's worth the, you know, the potential of, of, of game stacking. I really do, because this is really in DraftKings where you're going to find a, a ton of savings. You know, Columbus is a literal complete save. Roslovich at 3,300 kind of seems egregious to me. Um, you know, barring the same guys are out, that's just scoring at a better clip than I expected. And the roles there, just not top power play, but him and both are really, really cheap. 
I know Boquist isn't a good rates guy. I know he was shooting like 25% at one point um, before he got hurt. And it was obviously a bit of a gold drought sense. So it's tough to stomach. Uh, some people will probably go to Jake Bean, who's just a better rates guy in general, getting more minutes, but not a top power play for Columbus. He had two goals recently, which might project him better, but I don't know what that's going to look like. They're really, I guess the point I'm more of making here is there really isn't one defenseman on either team that's a smash with these and that might be able to afford you guys like Kale McCarr and John Carlson. Do you still get exposure to those top teams um, in just a different capacity? Maybe you can still get another piece with them. We'll get to you later. So you know, uh, the Chuck 6,300, Yorkshire 42, Batherson is not with Brady and Norris right now, but you know, I think Josh Norris is, is just kind of an amazing example of a player that could have a peak game at any point. Um, I mentioned this on the morning state podcast and I have it pulled up right now just to see if anything has changed, but <clears throat> He, as far as the, you know, uh, where is it? I, of course, see four per 60 on just power play. He's number one in the league. So I know it's kind of tough because, you know, he's averaging about three minutes of power play time per game. Um, but he's shooting more on the power play than anyone else in the entire NHL. With, like minutes adjusted. So it doesn't matter if, you, like, uh, well, I did take out one that had less than 20 minutes of power play time to get rid of guys that just don't play it. But, you know, that is including guy Leon Dreisaitl, who's third. That guy that we watch shoot time if you watch Edmonton's power play it's like how do we get Leon a shot Norris shooting more than him so it really is a guy that if you're stacking Ottawa I think makes a ton of sense I think you know for the same reason if you're a power play point person it's probably Josh Norris um I don't know if you've got power play goals but again probably Josh Norris um so I, I really like him a lot in any capacity his shot numbers in general are you know I think he's been hitting a ton um but over the last five he doesn't I don't think he really excels above the rest let's just look last five because he's kind of cooled off a little bit yeah, I think he's below, oh man, shot attempts per game. Why can't I, he's gotta be higher than, I'll, I don't know, there's a lot of guys here. I have the whole entire slate up. Um, Yeah, he's just not really popped over the last five, over the last 10, a lot higher. So I, I mean, shot prop's fine, it's fine. Um, I'd rather just take him and Brady for a point though, as far as props are concerned. Uh, and on the Columbus side, I think it's probably Oslovich, but I, so many good line A plays, if, you know, Wierenski plays, we gotta keep that in mind. Um, and before we, you know, block in any props for them, because those are absolute monstrous changes to their lineups. Moving on to the next game, Seattle is huge road underdogs at Minnesota. Uh, you know, not surprising. Uh, Minnesota does have a little bit to play for if you're a narrative person, like getting second in the central and being home for one extra game and starting the playoffs at home versus St. Louis, a team they've struggled, frankly, on the year. Probably something they want to do, I, I would assume. So, yeah, I, I think it's, you know, worth, you know, noting at least. Uh, this game's going to project really well for the under. Minnesota outscores their projection quite a bit. Seattle also does, but that's because they just aren't protected to score very much. I'm going to go with the under here, though, because Minnesota on a back-to-back, um, Seattle just really playing better defensively. I mean, they they held Colorado to uh, two goals. Um, I think they can keep Minnesota to the same. I think this game really projects to be a nice three-to-one spot. Um, <clears throat> there really is a lot of rhyme or reason to it other than the math likes it. I know you can talk yourself into goaltending, but I've kind of just been this goaltending and, and the Seattle defense is going to start to get a little bit better. And it just has. Um, so I, I'm, I'm okay with the under here as one of my favorite bets of the night at, you know, minus one, 10 under six, you'd be able to wait it out and get better because once we get Minnesota's goaltending kind of locked in um, for Thursday, you know, I, I don't think it's going to move in the right or wrong direction. So if you want to wait on this one, it might just stay right there. It might get better for you. I think it's worth the wait. Um, personally, especially because we might just get Treger in that. I, I, I kind of think we will. And that should move it as a, you know, you might end up seeing it at six and a half by the time you're listening to this. And I like even more under six and a half. And I just am not that 
Um, yeah, it takes it takes a lot of goalie variance uh, or like a, a big change in, in the actual value of the goalie for me to think like that adjusts my line a lot. Um, I'm just not as, I guess, sensitive to it. Like Jesterkin and Georgiev at one time, that was a massive change that really did shape how you were betting. But Drieger and uh, Grubauer just doesn't really move it much for me. It, it moves a little, but it doesn't move it as much as Vegas is going to move it. And my model just isn't going to change much. So I still like this game under. Um, Prop-wise, I don't think there's anything I'm going to be crazy on here. I'll probably double check, give it a good look over. But it's hard to feel really good about Minnesota. Um, let me pull that up really quickly. Um, Corsi four for 60. You got to scroll down a pretty over the last 10. So this is just shot attempts. Um, they're 19th as far as Corsi four for 60. And Seattle just frankly is good defensively. Um, they're 10th as far as suppressing shots over the last 10. Yeah, Minnesota's 15th. Um, and what team, uh, where is Bob Seattle's ninth worst in Corsi four? So these two teams kind of like I'm saying that, you know, towards the bottom echelon in, you know, shots taken. And towards the top echelon in shots suppressed. So there shouldn't be a ton of shots here in general. Um, it, you never know though. I mean, games go to overtime and, and things change quickly. The one player that's shooting the most in this entire game over the last five I have pulled up is Dylan Sprong. The minutes are tough, but in those minutes, he's being really, really productive. Kevin Fiala probably be piled on. That's probably where I'd go here. He's just red hot. I think that's totally justifiable, but you, you are kind of, you know, getting a worse price than you were getting a couple of weeks ago for the same play. It's not like he's all of a sudden getting this insane role. Like normally the only thing we look for in Fiala was, is he on the first power play? And he is, and he's been there and he's been scoring there. Um, Hartman's actually shooting more with a little bit less run because he moved to the other unit than him on the power play in general. So do with all that information, what you wish. I don't think I'm going to be over bullish on props here. Um, just might take a look at it tomorrow and maybe give you something that I like, but there's something that's crazy jumping off the page. So next we get to Colorado and Edmonton. Obviously, this is the focal point of the night for most people. Um, Colorado minus 120. Edmonton, you know, plus 100. Double your money if you want to bet on them. I, I mean, it's one of those things where I just, as a rule, I haven't, I don't know if I bet against Colorado other than like a $1 bet all year because it's tough to bet against them. They win most of their games. And I don't do it for that reason. It's plus money at home Edmonton. Colorado, we don't rant them yet. Still nothing. He missed on Wednesday with a sickness, I believe was the case. We got Kadri back. Um, you know, they moved Lekin up to the top line. I hammered his goal prop. Top line with McKinnon and Ertushkin and top power play with McKinnon and Ertushkin. Oh, pretty good. So I hammered that. Uh, I still like Lekin if you can find him for shot on goal. He just rates out really well. He was a shot guy in Montreal. He didn't have players around him to give him the puck. Now he does. I also love Kadri. With Comfort and Burakovsky, it's even better. I mean, Kadri is a guy that the moment he got hurt was the moment I was really ready to just go all in on this guy as like a top DFS asset, obviously. Um, you know, he can still fit in on that top power play. I mean, if Mick, like, all of this from last game was without Rantanen. If Rantanen comes back in, I assume we might lose Lekkanen, but we'll see. Anyways, though, Kadri should be there no matter what. With Burakovsky and Comfort, guys that I kind of profile as pass first, but Burakovsky can shoot. Um, I think Kadri really is an easy over two and a half bet on this game. And on the other side, I definitely like Leon Dreisler again over two and a half. I mean, that was, I should have bet higher bankroll on it. I felt really good on it. He had zero after the first, and I think he had three or four after the second total. So he can do it real quickly. He does it in bunches and you get a couple of power plays and there he is. So I'm really high on Dreisler's over again. Um, McDavid's matching over three and a half, but just less volume. So it's fine. But um, Makar, although I think if we get it around even two and a half, I might end up taking a flyer on it for his shot prop. But 
what I'm getting at here is I think there's a lot of shots to go around in this game. Neither team suppresses shots super well, um, and both do a ton. So that makes me feel good about these props. And that's how I do it. You know, I, I kind of look over the last 10. I just kind of, it's more of a heuristic for me to go on natural stat trick and just check over the last 10 on the rates. It's not something you have to do because your model might be good enough to understand it, but it's more of a heuristic for you to see exactly what it looks like um, just on paper. Oilers fifth, Colorado sixth, and Corsi four for 60 over the last 10. And again, this is at all situations, all strengths. So um, it's not going to miss anything. And, you know, Corsi against, I mentioned this before, Colorado's not been very good. They're ninth worst in the NHL. You know, so they're allowing quite a few more shots than maybe you'd think. And the Oilers are 12. So both of these teams are on the opposite end of the spectrum than what I just talked about with Seattle and Minnesota. They're allowing more shots and they're, you know, taking more shots. Um, the issue is Edmonton's goaltending has been really good. So this is a game I'm way more interested in looking at shot props for for those reasons. Uh, I don't think point props are out of the question and I'm going to have to see the pricing on them, but that's how my mind normally attacks different games. And I look at each game more of in a silo than because they are in a silo. Like each game exists on its own in a vacuum. Uh, it's really like, maybe you could argue that a playoff team might notice another playoff team losing it, but I don't know if that actually factors into the gameplay. So what I'm saying is this game has a lot more shots, maybe not quite the expected goals because of the goaltending being a little bit better here, but, um, yeah, so point props more in the Seattle, Minnesota game. I'm way too far on this, but hey, you know what? You've gone all season with me. I might as well give you a little bit more knowledge before we get to the playoffs. So this game, shot prop central. Um, DFS-wise, you're going to spend all money, but I already told you exactly how you could do it. Uh, a, if we don't have Rantanen, luck it in with McKinnon is a big stone cold must, I, I would say. Um, you know, and your Tushkin, and you could pair that with like some Columbus, some Ottawa, and feel really good about it. Same with Edmonton. Um, so it's going to be impossible to game this whole thing together and it's going to be really enticing. I don't know how you get it done. Maybe with Seattle as, you know, a piece, but they've actually priced Berniers up to almost 5k on DraftKings. That's really tough to, to stomach. Um, Everly and, and Donato make it worth doing, but nah, done also 4,500. So we've lost a lot of the value in Seattle here. So I don't know how you get that stacked on, but we'll move over to the last game. Probably the most boring game in general. I mean, Arizona is absolutely terrible. They almost pulled off the win against Chicago. That was really their last chance to probably get a win on the year. I don't expect them to get it done against a very, very good Washington team. Minus 390 is a tough line to take. I'd probably grab the puck line at minus one and a half for Washington, but it's not something that I think you have to do. Like a long Western road trip, Arizona's bad, but they just kind of come back in games because teams just give up. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. I mean, Chicago on one hand is just terrible, so probably a bad example, but teams just don't seem to try as hard in the third once they're up by, you know, a bunch of goals already. So I don't think I'm going to be overly bullish on Washington in general, other than OV shot prop, maybe Carlson shot prop, OV over a point and a half, because I think they'll get it done early. Um, and then I'm probably fading the rest. Uh, just, I just, I don't like in Washington, um, kind of a lot of their like random pieces around, like it's all about OV. This is a chance for OV to get a couple of goals and get closer to Gretzky's record. I, you know, I think that they're going to kind of take this opportunity to do that more than anything else. And John Carlson is the only other guy here that I'm interested in. I mean, Detroit, I'm not Detroit. Uh, I get, I get Detroit and Arizona confused sometimes because they're both terrible. Uh, but uh, Arizona does get shots still early in games. So I still like John Carlson and Obi just fine for their shots. Um, you know, we look at the last game and only, yeah, they expected two, about two goals for Arizona last game. That's not good. They're not good. 
Um, no one jumps off the page. They did start with lag with Hayden and Schmaltz, and they changed that pretty quick. It was lads like Alzen's game or something. Good for him, but yeah, he's about done. They took a ton of penalties too. Oh, he gets a ton of run on, pen, on power plays. He doesn't come off the ice. Maybe if they got by enough, that'll change. But you know, I think this team is going to take penalties. They're going to be terrible at hockey, and that's the way it goes. Um, a guy like McBain for Arizona is a guy that I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye on at least. We'll see where he slots in. If he's with Roussel and Boyd, I mean, Boyd's not the worst player in the league, but man, Roussel is not good at hockey anymore. So that's a guy that I'm at least intrigued about a little bit. Like if you pull up Arizona and you go to utility, you know, it's Gosbear and Schmaltz above five. And then, I mean, it is just a wasteland. At minimum salary, Jack McBain is probably just like not good, but you could maybe do worse. <laughs> um He's on the top power play with Kessel, Schmaltz, Gossesfair, and Boyd, which is like enough for me to at least give it a thought. Uh, other than that, nothing on Arizona. But if you want a crazy, you know, plus 500 goal prop, Jack McBain's probably the guy here. And that's the most I can talk about Arizona without vomiting. So with all of that being said, favorite bets of the night, um, the under in the Minnesota-Seattle game, probably the over in the Colorado ending game. I'm not sure if I want to say favorite bet on that because I don't know if they're quite going to get there. It's going to be right on the edge. I mean, it's going to be one of those games where it's going to be like two to two going into the third and you're going to be like, it's going to get there. You know, we're going to get that three, three tie. Is it, you know, are we going to get that, that, you know, is one team going to get that third and then it's just going to shut it down and we're going to end up six and we're going to be, you know, I think it's right there on the edge. Um, so I, I like it. I think it should get there, but I, I, I do want to say it's not, it's only four games that favorite bets are kind of tough. I mean, if, if there was 12 games, this game probably wouldn't make the next best way to put it. Um, and then I do like Ottawa. I, I, you know, I, right now I think it's the time to, probably bet it because I actually Wrensky and Line didn't practice on, you know, on Thursday. I doubt they play. Um, so I think I'm going to grab Ottawa right now is the only one I'm betting right this second, because I do think that line could move. Um, the rest, I think I waited out. Um, maybe Colorado Edmonton also moves a little bit, but I don't know for sure. Um, yeah. So that's pretty much it. Uh, in DFS, cause I'm not doing a DFS podcast. <sighs> yeah. I mean, I do think I'll get some Ottawa. I, I probably will full sack Ottawa and um, Columbus and it like really uh, upper tier defenseman to go with it. Like a, maybe Carlson McCarr and a piece with them, maybe even Ovi and just game stack Ottawa Columbus. That might be intriguing. And for me uh, as like a really unique way of attacking this slate, that mentality might only be if you're running like five to 10, you know, 50 lineups um, to get some of that mix in. But if you're running one lineup, you know, one lineup in the 15, I do think you want to get that kind of crazy as well. Like don't just kind of put together a lineup that feels the best because lineup often doesn't win and it's going to, you know, you could be duped and you're kind of playing like a one-off, one-off, um, you know, for all the money. I don't love that as much, but it's up to you. Obviously it's your money at the end of the day. Uh, I do think in DFS on a four game slate, you should overstacking. So I think my favorite overstack is that Ottawa just going like Stutzel, Batherson, Norris, um, and Brady, all four of them. I think that's probably the best starting block for that, you know, just for like an overstack in general. It's also not too hard to get Colorado um, as an overstack piece. I already mentioned the top line. If Rantanen comes back in, you'll have to adjust. Make sure you save the cap. Like make sure McCarr fits into that four man because then you could move off him to get Rantanen in and then, you know, adjust from there. And the last that I try to give as much as possible, if you're playing DFS, this game, the slate starts even at seven, right? Oh, let me pull it up. This slate starts at seven o'clock and the last game is at 10.30. If you're playing Ovechkin, he must be in your utility. Unless if you're playing three centers. Okay, if you're playing three centers, it is what it is. Always put in your utility your highest player that starts the latest and later being important. So if it's, you know, Ovechkin 
And you also like, like it, the reason why is because if for some reason, one of these players misses, miss, misses, and then, you know, right now players are getting sick with COVID and not COVID. So if, you know, Ovechkin ends up missing the game and you have him in your wing spot, you can only put a wing. You couldn't move in Kuznetsov. You couldn't move in John Carlson. If he's in your utility spot, you can. See what I mean? So just keep that in mind anytime you're building lineups. And I'll get you out of here. Way too long for a Friday slate, but hey, I was having fun. Um, rate, review, all that good stuff. I'm going to be doing a live show with the Ice Guys, I believe, on Friday as well. So I'll give you more coverage on this slate. And I should be back on their show on Sunday. And I'll be back here Monday, Tuesday. So talk to you a whole bunch coming up. Take care and good luck on Friday. Mm-hmm.